0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hey, everybody listening to Frights of the Round Table. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and tonight we have uh, guests who've um one that has been on my show on Indie uh the independent corner before uh which is Adam Steigert has been on my show but uh Anthony Brownrig has not been on the show before so um first uh Anthony how are you doing? I'm
0: doing all right, how you doing?
1: Pretty good. Adam, how are you doing?
0: I'm here
2: man, living the dream, one day at a time.
1: All right, cool. So this show is basically different than my independent corner radio show except for the actors' round table bit that we do uh this is a filmmaker's round table basically, and what I'll do is I'll be asking questions and I'll ask one person and then I'll ask the uh the next person, so we'll do an alphabetical order uh by last name, so Anthony will go first and I'll ask um you guys basically the same question there'll be uh room for basically debate and um and or cross talk. So if you guys okay. want to say whatever you guys want to say, that's <laughs> up to you guys. Um okay. But, uh, all right. So first uh question, Anthony, um have you ever come across uh scene stealing actors and what have you done about it?
0: Uh yeah, I've come across scene stealing actors. Um mm-hmm. I think that uh, how you deal with it is uh, varies depending on the actor. Uh, in my experience, some actors are very method, and you have to deal with them in that kind of way. It's part, I've always said directing is uh, 50% inspiration, 40% psychologist, and 10% cat wrangler. And uh, you, when you're dealing with an actor that uh, tends to, you know, push themselves out over a scene over the other actors that they're involved with. You know, you deal with it in different ways. If someone's real open and they don't realize it, you've got to try to determine that and then try to just say, hey, cut it out. But if you've got someone that's it, you've got to deal with them in that way and say, "You know, it varies. But it's really about determining where that actor is and uh, bringing them back in a way that they'll feel like it's their idea to bring it back and not something that you're forcing them to do. All
1: right. Well, what about oh, it's you, hard to uh, follow uh,
0: up
2: It's really hard to follow up because I, I've i directed a lot of films, I guess you could say, where I I really like the actors to bring something to the role. See, I don't know if you call them method, but I like, I like their full input where, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, I write the scripts, or if I'm not writing the scripts, whoever the writer has wrote the script, and I'm just the guy bringing the thing to to life, but the characters have to live on forever. So they're not going to remember me as the director of the film unless I'm like somebody really, really good. Which you know I, I'm pretty good, but I'm I'm not like George Romero uh, where he'll remember me forever and <laughs> always. But um, I am pretty good with what I do, I suppose I, I could say. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I still um, I still like them to bring their own thing because once an actor brings their own um, mindset behind a character, they're bringing that character to life and bringing that, you know, because they be, they become that character forever and always. So I think in a lot of ways it's it's really beneficial for an actor to bring that level. You know, at, at times I may have to come back and say eh, it's not working out. We got to do it this way, but in most cases I let them play with the roles so that you know they can create a memorable character.
0: Yeah, actually I'd have to completely agree with Adam on that. I think that's. I mean, when you're talking about scene-stealing actors, I'm figuring you're inferring that actors are, you know, they're stealing. literally trying to walk over. Yeah, they're stealing. But, right. you know, as far as what Adam is saying, I completely agree with that. I mean, that's, that's, you know, when I, I tell an actor typically it's the same kind of thing. I said, listen, we're going to get in the car together and go down the road, but you got to drive. I'm in the right. passenger seat with a map. So if we get right. lost, I can get us back on track, but you're driving the car. So you may come right. up with an idea that I never thought of.
2: Yep. That's really well, good. I mean, to like,
1: more, more so, like, uh, scene-stealing, like, uh, well, I, I've known, I've heard of, like, uh, actors who will, like, f- steal the scene from another actor, you know, or whatever, and kind of, oh. like, upstage them and stuff like that. Um that's, that's my also bad, because kind of
2: I, I was taking it no, completely the wrong way on that. No, that's um, fine. I mean, you... can going to say, you know, the only thing I can add to that, to kind uh, of, to add to that... Um, is sometimes in independent film it's always a competition, you know. Uh, I'm not sure what type of work Anthony does, and I'm sorry I didn't do my research before, but, um, <laughs> you know. I did the same uh, thing you do, man. <laughs> yeah, well, then there you go. So you, you kind of know that in the independent film, people are trying to make a name for themselves, and sometimes yeah. it's cut, it's cutthroat, you know. Um, I, I've only experienced it very few times, but, you know, I let them do whatever they have to do Um, And then I'll talk to them, but if they still don't fix it, I just, when I go to the editing room, fix it. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I really knock them down down a peg to make sure they know who's really in charge of of everything at the end of the day. That's what I'm at.
0: And and it is, and 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 it's true because, and I think, Adam, you probably have the same experience. You know, when you're on a set where you've got an actor or two actors that are bickering off set, or you've mm-hmm. got an actor that looks down on the other actors there on set as far as stealing scenes, that kind of thing, as far as that cutthroat mentality. Yeah. Man, it shows up in the performance. Yep. And that's when, what? I, when yeah. I say a psychologist is trying to get, you know, I mean, and we've all been on sets like that where, yeah. you know, People just want to say, "All right, let me just do my role and get off this set because I hate someone here," or blah blah blah, you right. know. And it shows up on film in the performance. I mean, that's my opinion on
2: it. You know, one other thing you should add to it is in recent films because my my films are starting to progressively get bigger and what what we're doing with them. Um, I'm seeing a lot more competition bef- between like uh, assistant directors trying to take over. Uh, to show their, their you know, strut their chest, so to speak. Um, you know, I think that's something that's coming about, too. But I, I think it's the whole realm of indie. They want to just push themselves to the limit to stand out so that they can, you know, further themselves.
1: Okay, well, um, I, I want to go on to the next, uh, another question that's kind of actually is kind of, this you know, in the similar vein of what we were just talking about, too. But have you guys ever had an actor who actually... Um, would flat out tell you I'm not doing that scene or I'm not doing it the way you want to? And how do you guys handle that? Uh, Anthony?
2: Um, I I would say I've actually had an actress do something like that to me. Um, Actually, two actresses. One that I said she had to get, like she had to take her pants off because that's what the scene actually had. But she had underwear on and stuff. It was all implied uh, nudity, but uh she came to said thinking that she was going to wear like these long jeans make her flexible and i had to have somebody go and talk to her about it but besides that i only had one other case where uh an actress was actually she's terminally ill and uh she told me she's like I cannot do that and at that point i had to make a judgement call on what to do um but i really you know i really People know where I stand with things. I, you know, I let people play, but they know if they go too far off track, I'm going to slap them back into reality and say, "Hey, this is where you got it. This is what you got to do." Um, so it's a little bit of give and take on a lot of that. But again, that's the the beauty about independent film is you want to uh, showcase um, your talent, but you also want to bring life to it in a, in a way that you can't bring like an independent film to life. So that's that's what I. I try and let them do the best they can with adapting, but, that, you know, I, I don't, I've never really had a distinct problem with that. At least that's my mindset on it. I give it to an assistant director, they have to figure it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never personally had a, a direct problem like that. I've dealt with actors um, before on sets where they didn't want to do something, and what I try to deal with as far as dealing with that is find out why okay, what is it that is bothering you about doing it this way? And if I can figure out where their problem is doing it that way, then maybe I can address it in a way say, oh, okay, well, and what about this? You can try this and come up with a way to get them to kind of motivate them and, and appease that problem that they've got. Because nine times out of ten, in my experience, when an actor is not wanting to do something in a scene, they're afraid they're going to look stupid. Or they're yeah. afraid it's going to hurt their image as an actor. Yep. You know what I mean?
2: I, I and, agree with that too, yeah.
0: You know, and, and I've definitely dealt with actors that are clearly on set and more concerned with their image than committing to the role.
2: Yep, that's true. And it's well. sometimes
0: hard. And that I mean my my callback process, uh like on Red Victoria, don't look at the basement two, um, my callback process is very, very uh, organic. No actor ever expects it. They usually walk in and go, okay, I'm here for my callback, and I sit and I say, okay, so you did a good job in the first read, and uh, I'll talk to him for a couple of minutes, and I'll say, okay, congratulations, you're hired. Because by the callback time, I already know I want to cast him. I just want to find out if they're going to be an asshole. Or... Right. Oh, shit, can, I say, can I say that on the radio? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can say that right? on the radio. Because, I mean, I would rather work with an actor that has talent and less experience than a veteran actor who's an asshole, especially on an independent film, because it just costs money and costs time.
1: Exactly. And when you find a veteran actor who's actually just a really good person, you know, and and everything, you know, then, then that works out the best. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that's what you're like looking for sometimes. Yeah, you know, that's why well, Sure. Um, of course. I mean, yeah. I, so um next next question I uh, wanna have is somebody actually brought this up on uh on Facebook um as like a status uh question and I kind of thought, Well, that's a good question to kinda of bring up here. So do you feel like indie horror has gotten safe these days, like they're all kind of the same cu- uh, cookie-cutter films? And how do you, as indie directors, rise above that?
0: Ooh, good one. Either one of you. Adam, would you like to start one this uh, one? Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'll, uh, I'll start. I, I've said this before, but I like seeing it uh, in, kind of like all my interviews because I think it really stands firm uh, to what the nature of independent horror really is. Uh, When you're an independent filmmaker, you are like a magician, a magician that has to pull off in a great effect. And that is A, to scare people, B, to bring illusions to the screen that you have to make the audience say, well, how did they do that? That's what the key is for us uh, as an independent filmmaker. As far as being recycled, I think things are starting to get recycled. I think mainstream is starting to recycle a lot of films uh, because they know what works and they know what creates revenue where they're not willing to take chances to create new types of genres. Like, for instance, uh, a long time ago, uh, Freddy Coogan, okay, Jason Voorhees, uh, Leprechaun. Those types of characters, they don't exist in these days. Now you have, you know, and, and even so to speak, there's really nothing right now. You know, Saw was there for a minute. Kind of went you know that that one that one it had its turn, and then now the paranormal activity movies are there, but that's not really like a psychopath or that distinct character that makes iconic roles so I think, uh independent film is is i think independent film is not being used the way it should be used nowadays, and that's because mainstream's just overstaturing the market.
0: I would agree with that completely i mean i well said, I think that it's um. You know, the formula, the idea of the formula film, I mean, was invented by distributors back in the day specifically because their focus is on money. They don't give right. a crap whether it's a good film or not. They want to make money. And more power to them, you got to have executives because if you want to make a film just for yourself, that's great as long as you're ready to buy all your own tickets, too.
2: Right.
0: You know? And so you kind of kind of have to. It's kind of a necessary evil, you know. And the fights between filmmakers and executives are legendary sometimes. Mm-hmm. But independent, independent horror especially, has so many wonderful subgenres, um, you know. Between splatter, torture porn, schlock. Uh, it depends on what you want the audience to do. Whether you want them to sit there and literally be scared or whether you want them to sit there and laugh and applaud when somebody's head gets blown off, you know? And the problem, I think, with a lot of the mainstream, and I agree with Adam on this, is that there is a lot of cookie cutter in the mainstream horror right now. And you see them in the trailers. The trailers are all cut the same way. Yeah. Lots of flashes, you know, and, you don't even know what the plot is or you could take any of these actors and interchange their characters with one another and it would be the same movie. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that because of that, it is so important for independent horror to be able to come up with original voices. I mean, there is a saying in Hollywood, the worst thing you can do in Hollywood is give an original idea (laughs) (laughs) because they want to hear something they've heard of before, they know works, and that they're willing to back, you know. And indie, with a lower budget, gives you the flexibility to create new ideas. And the difficulty is sometimes you've got to have money in the market in order to get it out there for people to see it. I think that's the biggest exactly. drawback, is that there's just no way for a lot of people to see it because they don't know about it. You don't have millions in advertising budget, you know? Right, right. You know, what I, I was think is so great about. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead.
2: No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say something very silly because, uh, you know, the whole marketing strategies have changed dramatically. You know, they used to have websites for movies, and now almost every website just has a Facebook page. They don't even make the websites other the company page. I mean, those are things sure. that, they're just the times are changing so dramatically.
0: You know, I oh think Oh yeah, that's
2: so true. And I think independent film is even that much harder because, you know, things like my earlier work, things that I feel like were could be like number one hits uh if they were made in the eighties, could be looked at now and said, Well that's crap because the quality. You know, independent film now has like a statute of quality. It has to live up to mainstream film. Otherwise people just don't watch it as much as they used to, because of everything going to high def, quality, quality, quality. At least that's my opinion on that as well, but, you know, that's what I've been seeing.
0: Yeah, I concur yeah, with that one as
1: well. I would say that a lot of people uh, say, like, if you have a RED camera, you know, your film has right. a better chance of being seen, but if you use the DS, uh, DL, uh, DSLR, you know, or something like that, like a Canon 7D or something, it doesn't get seen as much unless it's on the Internet you know, or right. whatever. You know, it's it's kind of... It's a sad state of affairs that we're in right now, but that's kind of what, I guess, is going on, you know? Uh, you know, it's,
2: it's funny. I just had a distributor contact me three days ago asking uh, for a copy of the screen from my new uh, from my last film I made, and they said, do you have a... That was all shot in red, right? And I go, yeah. And they go, thank God, it looks amazing. And they were worried about the quality uh, not being... Red, where they weren't going to accept it. It's basically, what this guy hinted towards me when I was talking to him. So, I think that's very true.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And there's, there's, there's. A, we're about to shoot a film on Dragon coming up. And oh. it's uh, like we shot Don't Look at the Basement 2 on Red. And it's the same thing. It's the number one question. is it the quality there? Is it, you know. Yep. Even though most films theatrically don't show in 4K, they show in right. 2K. 2K, right. You know? Right. But. But most films, but distributors don't know that. They just go, uh, best quality, okay, uh, checklist, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's important.
1: Exactly. I know, I, I agree. Uh, it's a thing these days. Um, uh, I guess it's, it's a certain one. But um, uh, I guess, is there uh, a, a good question I wanted and has nothing to do with what we were all talking about, so it's completely different. <laughs> off-topic thing, but is there a filmmaker you look up to that others would be shocked to, to know that?
2: <laughs> go, for um, one. go Go ahead, Adam. Uh, mine's
1: just,
2: mine's almost like a, I feel like mine's a stereotype, so <laughs> you, mine will be simple. Uh, I, I think Dawn of the Dead, that's, uh, that's, that's, I, I got into film because of Dawn of the Dead and George so, Romero. George Romero, Romero would be,
0: yeah, George Romero, my guy. uh, George Romero is a great choice. George Romero, I mean, he he definitely did a lot of innovation at the time. I think today, as far as is, uh, you know, it's funny. I just had this conversation, oddly enough, with Debbie Rashawn not four days ago. Um, Jim O'Rear, who just finished rapping on the hospital too. It is the most schlocky, horrible, disgusting type of horror you can have. It's got everything. I could not make a film like that. As a director, right. I'm, I'm too focused on character development. I want good yeah. characters. I want you know solid character development. It's a different kind of filmmaking. But I envy Jim and I love watching those films because he knows how to do it. There, every kind of film has its own art form. Even Schlock. And whether you're doing an undead film, there are people that try to imitate George Romero that can't do it.
2: Right. You know? I'll be one, they one of them to say just saying I, in I tried and I yeah, I tried and I just failed miserably. I really tried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I could not make made. a George
0: Romero film to save my life. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't.
1: You know, zombie I tried films to definitely... this formula, but it didn't work. I'm sorry. Well th- zombie films are hard because um, there's so there's been it's been done so much that you have to like really be a completely 100 percent original these days
0: in order you to know, make
1: something that hasn't already kind of been done like
0: ten thousand other times. You know. Yeah, they're deceptively like, hard. They're they're deceptively hard because so many filmmakers look at zombie films and go, oh, zombie film, oh, that's easy. Yeah, it's
1: really interesting,
0: sure. right? A good one. It's, it's not you know? it's not that easy. Not
1: not to make a good you know. Like you know, The Walking Dead is to me is a little bit of an anomaly because uh, it was one of those shows that I don't think would have usually have have gotten as big as it did, you know. But I guess it's the character development and the uh, stories that keep people interested, you know. Uh, it's a soap opera with zombies. So, well, well that's I, know, exactly what I look it
0: is. at I look at George Romero's style. Like, I would look at this example, and this is what I give people an example of, of of character development, all right? Because you want to take the audience on the journey. You want the audience to get involved with the film, right. or I do, okay? And I always say, picture yourself driving on a highway, all right? And it's a lot of traffic, and finally you see why there's a horrible wreck up to the left side of the road. And there's blood on the pavement, and you see the towing truck carrying away this crunched car, and it's a horrible scene, it really is. Man, that's really bad. You know, now I know about the traffic's so bad. Oh, I hope that guy's okay. But now picture the exact same scenario, only this time you recognize the car. Hmm. Okay. Oh, it's a completely different feel. If you can get an audience attached to a character and connected with that character, man, they can stub their toe, and the audience is going to go, "Oh man."
2: Yeah, because and that's what I really, care. I, I personally strive for that my last film I made, uh, Grim coming. Like each character has, I mean, I really went into great detail with a lot of them. And one of the title characters is almost like a Freddy Krueger type of character, in a sense, in a weird way. Um, and I made him the most memorable character you could possibly make. I mean, the actor brought it to life, but I wrote it and I tried to design his whole look to make it look and feel. So original and have that that character development right behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I think that's really important, especially for indie film. When when you know if we all had forty million dollars and fourteen weeks to shoot a film,
1: you know yeah. that,
0: that's what that's one do. thing because you've got rehearsal times and everything else. Nine times out of ten, for most indie films, the actors are coming on set without one rehearsal. It's like well, they just flew right. in, you know, and then right. we go on set, run through it a couple times, and then we shoot. You know, and it's it for indie film. I think it's so important that if you don't have the budget for Michael Bay's special effects, and you don't have the budget for, you know, character development is cheap. And I mean right. that in the best possible way. I mean, it takes writing, and it takes acting, and it takes working with the actors as best you can. But it's not you know a hard expense.
1: Right. It's not like CGI or something where you have to spend a lot of money to make sure it looks good. Like all you have to do sure. is pay the actor whatever you know whatever the day rate is to do the, you know. You have to find the right actor. That's I guess that's more of the the hard part, you know, of it all. But
0: true, you know, casting it, is always hard.
1: Yes, uh, especially finding the right role. I guess okay. This is another question uh to do with actors or whatever. But have you guys ever felt like um uh you know that that when you were casting a film uh like the films that you guys have both both done um that uh finding the right person for the right role has been was, was a little harder than you thought it would be. Um
2: I I normally write a lot of my roles for the actors I know. Mm-hmm. Um and I develop them to meet the standards that they can do. And then if they decline the role, that's when it becomes a problem because, you know, in my last film, I I try to seek a lot of outside talent than what I'm normally used to using. And, you know, you're doing it kind of blindly. I mean, you see demo reels and stuff, but you don't know if they're going to bring that same energy to the role that they're taking on. Um so there's a little bit of hesitation, but uh, for my safety, you know, a lot of the times I write the roles for people that I know, and then I try yep. and, and I go from there. I, I,
0: you, Adam, you and I are in total agreement on that one. I, say, I, I think a lot a of the indie favorite. filmmakers, we have a pool of actors <laughs> right. that we know. We know what they can do. We know when we get on set. We know what their eccentricities are going to be, what their ins and outs are going to be, what motivates them. So when we're on set, we can get done, get shot, and get done by the end of the day and right. to be good. You know, and is, it is hard. And I've run across that out. having a role that's hard to fit. And the hardest thing for me isn't necessarily finding someone that can do the role themselves and do it good. It's finding the right chemistry. Right. I found the right. I right. found one guy that. Oh my gosh, he's incredible for that role. But sticking next to the lead actress, and oh my gosh, they just have no chemistry. It doesn't work.
2: Right. And yeah, So that's yeah, the hard part with, for me. Do you work with SEG actors a lot, or no?
0: Uh, I I I do not work with a lot of SAG actors. No.
2: Do you do SAG projects a lot or or often? No. At all? I'm,
0: I'm in Texas. I'm in Texas. I do mainly independent stuff without SAG. Uh, <laughs> now I've used some Ficor. I mean, I've used. Uh, uh, we no actually I've done a little uh, a few things with some SAG actors. I shot a film in '95 with Jeff Combs, and um, I've got a film coming up that I'm uh, trying to get some SAG actors in. I've got a SAG project I'm working on right now. Um, I usually avoid uh, the SAG. Uh, we tried to go SAG with the last film I did, uh, yeah. the uh Ultra Low. And, hell, SAG was wanting a, a $25,000 escrow account set up ahead. I mean, what a lot of people don't know about SAG Ultra Low is that, yeah, you can pay actors $100 a day, but if you want to try to sell the film, yeah. automatically, boom, you owe them full SAG rates. And so that becomes, a sometimes it can become a difficulty unless you know somebody and, you know, you kind of got it worked out, and, you know. So I, I tend to avoid the SAG thing. Now, I offer the actors I use the same rates that I would with SAG, whether it's, you know, 300 a day for a, or a 350 a day or 100 a day, if it's an ultra. And I'll usually you know, make sure that they operate under 10 hours a day, make sure everybody gets their meals and blah, 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 because, I mean, that equals happy actors, Right. Yeah. You know. But and so you try to treat your crew and your actors right, no matter what your budget.
2: Yeah, I'm getting ready to make yeah. a new film uh, this summer and it's we're we're going sad with it, so um it's an interesting process and all of it. I'm just curious on to how what your view was it. That
0: that's all. Yeah. I saw your gear up something. Yeah. That's yeah. that's where I'm going Um
1: and you know, I wanted to to make a mention of that. Um, you know, I, I was talking to an actor who is SAG, and he was going to uh, work on a project with me. And uh, he said that uh, basically the best way to do it is uh, SAG uh, new media agreement because technically there's big. I think there's a there's a big easy like way to do that. And well, that's, like, what, they that's make what, it what I'm actually
2: doing here. Yeah, I'm under. I'm going yeah. underneath
1: new media. Yeah, because all you have to do is uh, be able to put it out like on on demand before yeah. you know release really
2: it. It only has to yeah, it only and, has to show for like a twenty four hour period.
1: Right. So I think it's I think it's a good I think that's the best deal uh, if people are yeah. looking for like a SAG ultra low or or whatever. The best deal is to go SAG uh, new media agreement uh, until they change. Mm-hmm. They're apparently probably going to change some of the rules or something. Some of the things at some point because the internet is yeah, you know why you know,
0: you know why well, because you know how many why? actors are going to FICOR there yeah, are more and right? more actors going to FICOR now
2: yeah that's exactly right yeah I've seen that I was actually and uh, uh,
0: yeah it's 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 scary because they're not getting the roles they're not getting the work and they're being limited by that and so man a lot of them just and FICOR basically just ripping up your SAG card <laughs> you know right Right, And SAG's very particular about that. They even state on their website, you will be viewed as a scab.
1: (laughs) I I saw that. When I first saw that, I was like, really? Seriously? You know, are are people really, are they telling people that? But I guess they are, you know? Well, Uh,
0: see, I'm I'm a big believer in the idea of a union. I'm a big believer in the idea of a union. Because there's a lot of actors that go out there that can get mistreated on a set. You know, they're working 14-hour hour days, sometimes longer. They don't get a turnaround, don't get a chance to sleep, and they're mistreated. I can be a big believer in the idea of a union, but I think mm-hmm. that there is a point where a union becomes an organization that relies on dues to sustain itself, and the contracts right. begin to get muddled to where actors right. aren't getting work. You know? yeah.
1: Uh, and I didn't want to ask. You know, it, it's kind of funny that um, that you say that because um, I've been talking to a few actors who, who have been... who Like, one actress I know just went SAG, you know? And that was the big... You know, that was one of the talks we had on our Actors' Roundtable, whether or not she should have gone SAG or not, you know? Like, yeah. what we think of that, and we both agree that it's like... If you're, You know, me and my co-host Morgan believe that if uh, you go SAG, uh, you should make sure that you're ready for it, obviously. And if you feel like you've you've earned your time and you're getting nothing but SAG roles offered to you, you should go SAG, you know, because that's the best, you know, thing for you at that time. But, however, a lot of people want to take their time and not go SAG and just be SAG eligible, you know, for a little while because they want more exposure doing non-union stuff. You know, so
0: exactly, and they're they and they're better roles in independent film. That's right. Yep. There there are
2: better there roles in mean, independent
0: film. I know
1: for a couple of my projects, I've been like writing <laughs> for people for certain actors, and what I'll do is I will write. You know, I'll contact the actor and I'll say, um, you know, I I want to put you in this short film or something like that, um, and I have this kind of this idea, but. Uh, what kind of role would you like to play, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, something that somebody's never played before. So they'll have that opportunity to play that in a short film or something, you know, that they wouldn't normally be able to play in, like, a a sad feature, you know, because, you know, people, a lot of film directors in Hollywood and and mainstream filmmakers are not going to go and ask their, you know, friends, you know, what would you like to, you know? But in independent films, we've kind of got that, Opportunity to do that for their actors, and, and that beefs up their roles and, and gives them something to put on their reels.
0: And oh yeah, so I,
1: I, that's what I love about independent filmmaking. Honestly,
0: I and, think that's uh, one of the I think uh, that's one of the drawbacks that a lot of young actors do is jump into SAG, thinking that, well, I just did this role that was a it was a it was a day player role, but it was a speaking role, so now I can be SAG, and they jump into SAG, thinking that's going to get me more work.
1: Yeah, and, and lot of lot
0: of I still think that's yeah. a lot more auditions. Yeah. A lot of auditions, the, the competition is still is still just as fierce, you know, and it doesn't so mean probably you're going to get more work.
1: It's probably more fierce out there because a lot of people are going SAG, you know, and uh, just because you go SAG doesn't mean like it's like the pool is, you know, less or whatever you're just gonna be probably dealing with different sharks, you know? Right. <laughs> like, uh but um we are actually out of time. Um but uh how can uh first of all uh let's go with Anthony, um what what are you up to and how can people reach you?
0: Uh well Facebook, Anthony Brownrig, uh, that's usually where I'm hanging out at. Uh I've got Don't Look in the Basement too uh that's going to be playing at a couple of festivals one of them i just found out about half an hour but i can't announce yet um nice. and uh then uh, uh i'm gearing up for red victoria too which is the sequel to red victoria that i made in 2009 and uh but yeah facebook all my info is on awesome. facebook all right and uh what
1: about you adam
2: um, well, right now I just, uh, we're getting ready to make a new film called Star, which is, uh, Space Traveling Alien Reject, which is kind of like a, like a, yeah, I don't want to say parody because I don't want to relate to any film. So if you like the 80s, like Goonie type stories, this is kind of what we're doing with it. And not, it's not a Goonie story in any fashion, but that whole feel of what Goonies brought to you is what we're working on right now. Um, we are working with Steve Extel who, uh creates puppets. So there's an alien puppet that's going to be created for the film. Um and it's nice. really it's really cool. I can't wait to we're not really gonna be revealing it anytime soon, but there's gonna be certain hints being revealed very shortly on, on the net in the next month or so. So I'm excited about that. Um that project will shoot in July and uh my film The be coming right now is hitting all the film circuits that we could possibly get into. Uh so that's all happening as we speak. My film Not Human just came out on D V D in stores on uh, Tuesday, March 3rd. Uh, it's available Andre, on demand right now. You can watch that. Uh, we're hoping to have a distribution deal soon on another film that we made. Um, uh, we'll know more about that soon. And then also hopefully by the end of the year, Grim Becoming, We'll, we'll get some distribution, but, uh, at the end of the day, I'm just excited to make film. You can find me on Facebook myself. As Adam on or Adam Steigert on Facebook. Excuse me. Um, you can email me if you'd like a Steiger at deftone picture com. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, or look at a, look, uh, look up my site, uh, or our site, I should say, com. and it'll get everything in there. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in seeing my, my workload that I've done, IMDB, of course, to, has a, has a nice credit history there for you. That's it for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, That's it for becoming, me. becoming, is, is going to be at, uh, was it, uh, Fantastic Horror Fest, which I'll be at, Yeah. uh, the, it, yeah.
2: You are judge For
1: sure. Um. I was, uh, we're the ones who voted it in, you know. So oh. I really, I I really enjoyed a, it. I didn't so. know you were a judge. Uh, yeah, I am. Wow. Uh, for, I, I haven't really fine. announced I mean, it yet, or whatever. Oh, but I haven't, uh, okay, said so it's secret. Yet, but, uh, we, we didn't hear that. Yeah, it wasn't secret. It's, I've been told I'm allowed to say stuff or whatever. I just haven't really been going around saying it. I don't know. I feel really weird. Really, I've always really, felt really weird being a judge, you know. Well, like literally. Like I had to actually uh, decline a film today. That's for the first time.
2: And, well, uh, you
1: know, yeah, it sucks, especially when you know how much hard work independent filmmakers do. But yeah. I had to be truthful and honest and uh, say that I just I didn't like it. You know, I yeah. thought the makeup effects were great, so I, I gave it two stars out of five. Well, yeah, I felt bad. I hope, to
2: come out to, I hope to come out to L.A. for the festival. So oh, I'm just trying I just I will.
1: To, I will be there as a judge, so That's cool. I'll be there, so we can so cool. come hang out together. Yeah,
2: that'd be cool. Um, I want to do some uh, <laughs> sightseeing when I'm out there, since I haven't been there before.
1: My my LA? plan is to stay out there for like oh uh, more than a week, because I've never been out there yeah. either. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, have LA? you been
1: to California?
0: Yeah, uh, out to L.A. Oh yeah, man. No, I, I got a I got a little place out there when I when I go. I don't live in L.A. I do not want to live in LA. I've got a place out in LA that I stay at when I go. But man, I if you go there, go to any of the studio lots and you will be shocked. Half half of the stages are empty. Really? Right I know so many grips and so many gaffers that still contact me and are like, Hey you got any work out there in Texas? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what they say. See, all the films actors, shot in Vancouver or Louisiana, or you know.
2: Yeah, whenever I talk to an actor, they say ninety-five percent of their work is outsourced from L.A. It's not in L.A. at all. It's like yeah, Georgia, yeah. New Orleans, things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Um,
0: it's crazy, but it's Santa Monica. Definitely, rem- it's nice out there.
1: I remember hearing this story about Steven Spielberg jumping off the, uh, what is it? Jumping off the tour. Uh, thing, and, and going around and, and you know, uh, showing one of his short films to different people, you know, and trying to get, like, you know, work out there on the Universal lot, and I think that's really funny, because it worked, you know? Right. And I'm like, I wonder how many other people have tried after him, <laughs> you know? Oh, and, my God, dude, I, mean, I
0: missed my opportunity. I missed my opportunity. I actually was out there uh, visiting a buddy of mine, uh, Tom Senton, who wrote Saw 4. And uh right. He works on the Paramount a lot. So I went out and saw Tom and you know, we walked around the lot and all that stuff and um uh he works for uh for uh, Robert Evans. Bob Evans and I'm like Yeah, Robert Evans, yeah. The kid stays in the picture. And, yeah. and I was like, I just gotta be cool, you know, man. Don't wanna don't wanna press anything, don't wanna you know, Tom's a great guy. Tom Sutton's an awesome writer and a great guy, but but I was like it's hard when you're on the lot, and you're like, you know, I just want to shake, because it's all about who you know, you know, it's all, you want to shake the right hands, and you know, just you wanna, say, hey, yeah. how you doing? Hey, man, respect your work, you know, it's fantastic, hey, you know, let's do that, you know, it's it, it's it's so freaking amazing, it's, it. LA is, one of the reasons I don't want to live in LA is, is there's so much competition, and as a result, in my opinion, so much bullshit. Yeah that it becomes he yeah. who bullshits the best wins mentality. And when you walk into a local yeah, Starbucks, good. and at any local Starbucks you walk in, and seven out of the 14 tables in that Starbucks have people with screenplays just casually reading, you know, with that expectation yeah. that maybe a producer will walk in and go, oh, you got a screenplay there? What are you reading? Oh, mind if I take a look at it? The studio's looking for new projects. You know, I mean, it's, mm, it's no producer so does that. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, so it, was, it was nice I, to meet I, you, Anthony. And uh, you know, it's always great to to talk with you, John. So it's it's good good thing, man. Hey, right, you, you guys great a great you, too, night. man. And
0: and uh, I'll check out your stuff. And yeah, the Julie Science Fiction, I love it.
2: Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: All right, you guys have a great We're night and it. enjoy yourself.
1: Yeah, take care. Thanks, yourself. man. Thank man. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay. Have a nice night. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was Anthony. Uh, that's Anthony Brownrigg and Adam Steiker. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in not next week, uh, but the next week after that. I, I originally I wanted to have three day, uh three weeks off, and everything to concentrate on some stuff. Uh, but I think I'm only going to take a week off just to just to get things together for uh, the rest of the show, the rest of the series. But I, I do want. Uh, to continue this this month. Um, we've got some more guests that I've been talking to about coming on, so hopefully uh, uh, knock on wood, we'll have some uh, really good good guests for you guys. Um, thank you guys for listening once again, and we'll uh, see you in the show. Bye.